Hello. Hey, thank you for having me today. Um, my name's Jason Serber. I'm not going to tell you where I'm from, even though I got called out by one person. I didn't want people to throw things at me, but I am not from the North District. So I'm from enemy territory. I'll just say that. But um, I, thanks for having me anyway, and you only have to put up with me for a week. But uh, Diana asked me about, you know, what to name this. And this is kind of new to me, so I really didn't have a name for it. But I call it the majesty of God. And I could have called it the attributes of God. I could have called it, um, you know, the amazing God. I could have called it all kinds of things. But I came up with this just yesterday. I said, remembering the God we are called to worship. Uh, that's kind of what it boils down to. And I was inspired to uh, share this message after reading a book called uh, Crazy Love by Francis Chan. Has anybody ever read that before? Okay. A couple people. That's, that's good. So then I get to introduce something new. So I didn't steal all of it, but I did get a lot of the ideas from Francis Chan. And it, it made me think, do we fear God? What's happened to the fear of God? And who is God? And do we approach God humbly? Um, do we still do that? Do we still need God? Okay, and I know this is a crazy topic, but sometimes I struggle with this myself because I am so distracted by everything. I am distracted by family, by my job, by my hobbies, by you name it. Anybody have an iPhone? Everybody has an iPhone. Does that ever distract you? Okay. Have you ever been distracted uh, during church thinking, now I'm guilty of this, what am I going to eat for lunch? <laughs> That's me. I'm thinking, I'm hungry, where am I going to eat? That happens. We are distracted, but we're here to worship a holy God, 10,000 reasons. Worship a holy God. We should have a, a humility. We should come to Him thinking, who is God? So that's my question today for you. Who is God? In Psalm 73, 25 through 28, it reads, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell of all your deeds. So here's the bottom line. Nothing, and I mean nothing on earth, should take the place of God. He should be number one. How many of us can say that that's the case? A.W. Tozer wrote, What comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I'm going to say that again. What comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. All too often, I think of God as my little genie in a bottle, and if I need something, I rub that and I say, Hey, can you get me this? Can you get me this? Can you get me this? That's not what he's about. Now, he likes to bless us. All these things, including the iPhone, can be a good thing. But we never want to put the blessing in front of the blesser. So, if you are a believer, you're going to know all these things I'm going to tell you today and share with you about the attributes of God, the majesty of God, who is God. You know this. And if you are new to the faith, this is your first time in church, I'm going to introduce you to an amazing God. 
So stick with me as I, I, I talk about these attributes. And keep this in mind. You cannot over-exaggerate who God is. Like when I talk about, anybody fish? Anybody fishermen, hunters, like that? If you would hear me to t- tell a story about fishing, you would think I'm the greatest fisherman that ever lived. And if you tell a story about fishing, I'm going to top it. I, I wait for you to tell the story first so I can come up with a better story. I, my, my buddy, he said, hey, I saw 10 turkeys. I said, I saw 27. I saw 27 turkeys in that field. So I'm going to talk. Now, that's a lie, by the way. That's exaggeration is a lie. But you cannot over-exaggerate who God is. And I realized this just today as I'm, I'm studying this before I come. I'm thinking, I'm taking on an impossible topic. I can't describe who all of God is. I've got to start here. Number one, God is holy. What's that mean? It means he is set apart. He is above us. He is beyond us. Okay? He is, men have tried to name him for years. I heard in in the prayer, we call him El Shaddai, God Almighty, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, uh, Adonai, which means Lord. A buddy bought me a book called The Names of God, and there are 50 names in there, and they all fall short of who he is. Does anybody know what God called himself? You do. He said, I am who I am. And the Hebrews used the term Yahweh, which was actually four Hebrew consonants, cons, in the English teachers, consonants, consonants that you can't even pronounce. Y-H-W-H, because the Lord's name was too holy to be spoken. They called him Yahweh, which reminded people to say Adonai, which means Lord. And you think about the Old Testament, what happened when people came into contact, even the New Testament, when they came into contact with the God? They dropped to their knees in fear and humility. Why? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, according to Proverbs 1.7. So why is it difficult for me to grasp this concept that God is this holy, perfect, righteous God? Do I not need God? Is it my pride, which is the opposite of humility? Humility, by the way, is is a modest or low view of oneself. We could call it realistic. So do I understand who I am in the face of God? Do I not, do I not need him because I have some money in the bank, I have you know, a decent job, I have health, I have family, I have this pretty comfortable American culture that I live in. Do I really need to turn to him every day? You ever think about that? Or is, is it my pride that thinks, I don't need God? Or is it that I like the soft, grace-filled, loving, caring? I like the pictures with Jesus holding the sheep and the dove descending on him. I don't like to think about the wrath of God. But he is both. I read this in my Devo the other day. It just fit in perfectly. It says, we cannot understand the grace and forgiveness that the gospel announces unless we first understand that God is the final judge of our sinful lives. He is all that. He is grace, but he is wrath. Thank God that he sent his son to die for us. If you ever wonder how much he hates sin, all you have to do is look at the cross. He had to send his son to die for us. That's how much he hates sin. That's amazing. This should draw us to worship him. 
uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 states, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do we do that? When I eat or drink, when I'm working, do I do it for God's glory? Does my life point to God? That's what he's saying there. If we don't, the stones will cry out, Jesus said. We were created for him, not the other way around. We were created to worship God. It's sad that I have to remind myself of that. Remember who the God is that we're called to worship. He's holy. Number two, this is a really confusing one, so I put several together, but he's omnipresent, he's unchanging, and he's always been. I don't even understand that. I kind of I understand it, but maybe I don't get it. Because everything that, that I have in my mind, I'm at a specific place. I was born on a specific date, May 20th, 1970. If, if you can do the math, that'll tell you how old I am. I'm right here in Darlington United Methodist Church, and I am sometimes moody. I changed my mind at the drop of a hat based on circumstances. There was a guy tailgating me today, and I was not very happy. But yesterday, I was tailgating somebody else. Has anybody ever been uh, on your way to church screaming at your kids in the back, if you don't sit down and keep your hands off your brother, I'm going to knock the snot out of you. And then you get to church, and you say, hey, Sister Sarah, Pastor Pete, Brother Bob, good to meet you. Are we like this sometimes? Yes, is the answer. I don't understand people and a God who does not change, who has always been, who is ever-present, but that's a good thing. Think about that. Who would want a God that you could fully comprehend? As the Incredible Hulk said in the first Avengers movie, that would be a really puny God. We have a God that we can't even fully comprehend. That's amazing. That should draw us to worship Him. Remembering the God that we're called to worship. He is omnipresent. He has always been and he is unchanging. He is holy. Third, he is omniscient. A lot of omnis, right? Omniscient means he is all-knowing. Isaiah 40, 28 says, The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding. No one can fathom. Now, we did prayer requests. People have problems, don't they? If you've never faced a problem, you are going to. Somebody told me once, you're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. You will face problems. And what we want when we we pray is we want, God, take us out of this now. Please help us. I've had a death in the family. I've lost a job. I, I don't have a place to live. I've got... Uh, sickness, you name it, you fill in the blank. Sometimes you get so desperate you don't even know how to pray. God still wants you to pray. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to come to Him. And He doesn't promise to just pull us out of it, but what He does promise to do is walk with us through the trial and He will build our faith through that. That's incredible. Guess what? He's not always going to say yes. He will say yes sometimes, but he will sometimes say no, and sometimes he will say wait. He answers prayers in three ways. But he has a much better view than we do. He sees it all. We see this. We see what we want and what we think is best. We don't even always know what's best for us. He does. Hebrews 4.13 states, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him 
to whom we must give an account. He knows everything we think, say, and do. And someday we have to give an account for that. Now we go back to number one, that he's holy and knows that he hates sin. Does anybody ever sin? I woke up like at two in the morning thinking, I haven't sinned today. Well, I'm still in bed. And it's not going to be long before my feet hit the floor and I start messing up. Yes, we all do that. But we can approach the throne with confidence because of the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us on the cross. That, again, should drive us to worship, to remember the God to whom we're called to worship. He's omniscient. He knows. He cares. Number four, he is omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful. Colossians 1.16 states, for, him, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. You were created by him and for him. We're here to worship him. But he's created the mountains, the rivers, the woods, the streams, the animals, the plants, the galaxies, the universe. He's created it all. Why? For him, for his glory. Think about that for a minute. You ever think that you're created for God? A lot of times I get it the other way around. God, do this for me. Now, here's where my geography geek comes in just a little bit, or maybe a lot. Okay? Now, this stuff gets really way beyond my, my scope. But think about this. We're, we're on the earth. The earth seems pretty big. Anybody ever traveled cross country before? It takes forever. I dislike traveling. Does anybody like to travel? One person. Okay. I know we got another one. That one right there does. My wife loves to travel. I despise traveling. I get to the end of the driveway and I say, are we there yet? Because it takes forever. I'm the one crying in the back going, can we stop? I need to go to the bathroom. I want to eat somewhere. I'm tired of this trip. Can we go home? Right? She's shaking her head. Yes. I am a homebody. I don't like to drive. But I have been to Colorado. It takes 24 hours for me to drive just to Colorado. That's forever for me. I think about this, though. The center of the earth, at the center of the earth, the speed of the earth, the turn of the earth is about 1,000 miles an hour. Okay. At the same time, we're orbiting around the sun at 19 miles per second. Now, that's big. Now, we're tilted at 23 and a half degrees, and this, you know, all gives us livability because it keeps the, gives us seasons, gives us day and night, keeps the earth warm, lets us live here. But this is minute compared to what comes next. We are part of a solar system with eight other planets, part of the galaxy called the Milky Way. Now, here's where it gets a little bit bigger. Our galaxy is 100,000 light years from one side to the other. It is 16,000 light years thick. It is 3,000 light years wide. Now, think about this. The speed of light is over 186,000 miles per second. Now, anybody get that number? We have 100 billion stars in our galaxies. Anybody understand these numbers? Okay, I'll break it down then. 600 and, it's over 670 million miles per hour is the speed of light. 
Okay, to give you another idea, if you're traveling at the speed of light, you can travel around the earth, this big earth, in seven and a half times in one second. That's pretty amazing. Right? Anybody with me? It would take, traveling at that speed, it would take 100,000 years to get from one side of our galaxy to the other. 100,000 years traveling at the speed of light. That's big. Now, this is improper English, but you want to hear something more amazinger? That's for effect. I'm not really that. I'm, well, I kind of am that ignorant sometimes, but something more amazinger is that we're one of billions of galaxies. And who created it? God. Genesis 1.1 states, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Isaiah 40.12, first part of it, reads, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand, marked off the heavens? You want to hear something even more amazingerist? God desires a relationship with us. That's incredible. R.C. Sproul said, Men are never duly touched and impressed with the conviction of their insignificance until they have contrasted themselves with the majesty of God. Do you know how little you are? And yet He wants a relationship with us. That is cool. Now, here's where I pretty much stole stuff out of crazy love, the first, the first chapter. Along with all this majesty and this hugeness that we can't even fathom, he also paid great attention to detail. So in the book Crazy Love, Francis Chan describes the detail which God put into creation. A caterpillar has 228 separate and distinct muscles in its head. The average elm tree has 6 million leaves. The human heart generates enough pressure as it pumps blood throughout your body that it could squirt blood up to 30 feet. And he also says, don't try this at home. <laughs> he made hundreds of different kinds of bananas, placed 3,000 different species of trees within one square mile of the Amazon, made each of our voices, laughs, and fingerprints unique. He created spiders that produce three types of silk, produce 60 feet of silk per hour. Plants, as you know, produce carbon dioxide, which is harmful to us, but they actually they take in car carbon dioxide, which is harmful to us. They produce oxygen, which we have to have. We see this, we study it in schools, but do we marvel at it and think, God made this. This is where it comes from. He gives this to us. It's all because of Him and for Him. This is the, the awe-inspiring mystery of Jesus Christ. The hands that molded the universe and created this diversity were pierced for us. Evil, sinful people. Chan goes on to say, We are called to worship Him. His art, His handiwork, His creation all echo the truth that He is glorious. There is no other like Him. God will not be tolerated. He instructs us to worship and fear Him. In later chapters, he refers to this as reverent intimacy. And the bottom line is, yes, we are to humble ourselves before God, which I struggle with. And this has been so good for me just to study this and learn. 
Um, I hope it is for you as well. But at the same time, He sent His Son to die for us, to take the punishment that we deserve. And we can approach Him as our good Father who loves us more than we can ask or imagine. And here's the thing. If you love your Father, you're going to desire to spend time with Him in His Word, in prayer, in obedience, in worship, and in sharing Him with others. So bottom line is, we should be thankful that we have a holy God who has always been. He's everywhere. He's unchanging. He's all-powerful. And remember this, He is worthy of our praise. So, thank you. Thank you.